of glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is here. No matter what you need, he will meet it. He does what he's ever done, and that means that he heals, delivers, and sets free. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I pray for every person, every family, every individual that is here. God's stories that we have never heard. God's struggles that we have maybe never faced. But God, I ask you to touch every heart today. I ask you to touch every mind, heal every wound, bind up every heart. And God, I ask you that God, those that do not know Jesus, that God, they will hear his voice today. That God today would be the day of their salvation. And Father, we ask you to go with every person that is here today. Let today be a great day of expression of our love for our mothers. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God forever. Hallelujah. Let's turn our Bibles to Acts the 10th chapter. Acts the 10th chapter. This is a story of one of the great men in the Bible called Peter. He's one of my favorite guys because he's like me. He talks before he thinks. And let's start in verse 11, Acts 10, 11. And Peter saw heaven open and a, a curtain vessel descending upon him and it had been as a great sheet knit at four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and all wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice unto him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean, dietary restrictions to the Jewish people. And the voice spoke unto him again the second time, what God hath cleansed that call not common. This was done thrice. In other words, it takes a while to get through brick. And it says, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. And while Peter doubted in himself what the vision which he had seen should mean, behold the men which were sent from Cornelius and made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, was lodged there. And while Peter thought on the vision, the spirit spake and said unto him, Behold, these men seek thee. Now you arise, therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent you. Now I want to use some scriptures today before I get into the message. Number one, I want you to get in your heart that you are not common. There is nothing common about you. And when we talk about women of God today, then we talk about that you're not common. You're not run-of-the-mill. You're not just one of a million. You're not somebody that has been cookie-cuttered made. But you are uncommon. You are something that is abnormal. You're not born from beneath. You're born from above. You've been born twice of your mother and of your heavenly father. And so we, as Christians, are not common. Every mother that is here is not common. Now, we start out certainly being born of an earthly parent, but that's not where God leaves us. Amen? And so let's go to 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 
15. 2 Corinthians 5, 15. And then one more scripture after that, and we'll get into the word today. 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, and look at verse 15. Well, let's look at 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then were all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Therefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. This speaks of the natural birth. And so we are not to be limited or to know men or women just strictly based on the components of humanism. We are born and we are the children of God. And it says, after the flesh, yea, though we have known uh, Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more after his resurrection. Therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Now all things are of God, who hath reconciled us unto himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us unto us a ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, hath not imputed their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead that ye be reconciled unto God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, I want to quote a scripture. 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, Paul says these words, I am what I am by the grace of God. Now, Nikki mentioned it, that we were made in the wombs of our mothers, and out of that were approximately 4 million different personalities, looks and types, characteristics, heights, and so forth. Mine got a little mixed up. Good looking and short. I think they should have said tall and good looking. But anyway, I'm stuck with what I have. Now, when it says that by the grace of God I am what I am, in other words, the hand of God has been involved in bringing you into this world by God's choice. And every seed is equipped by God divinely. David says that thou knowest my substance. In other words, <clears throat> God, you have been involved. You have created me for a time, for a people, for a, pur for a purpose. So God has created us. And he's been uniquely, intimately involved with you and I. He created our gender. He created us to be a mother or he created us to be a father. And so we today are celebrating the great revelation that we have been born of our mothers on the earth and we are grateful for what God put in them for you and I. Could I get an amen? For you and I. See, God did not just make a mother to have children. He made a mother equipped for a spiritual time frame. And that spiritual time frame is this hour and this moment, the 21st century. Now, we also know that by Scripture that we are living in the last days. So understand that God created mothers to be active in a generation that I believe will see the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that mothers are significant and very important in the development of children and households and families. And so it could not just be a common 
task. It has to be a supernatural task because we were in the kingdom of darkness. We've been translated out of it and we've been translated into the kingdom of God and seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But one of the things that happens in life is that the world becomes stronger than the kingdom's influence in our life. I hear people say things like this. Well, you know, they're going to get married, so they're having sex. Yeah, and when did sex not become sin? You, you want to tell me that? Oh, yeah, but, but you understand. But they're, they're going to get you. You can't have a shoe unless you try it on, said the idiot that knew not God. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said idiot. But it mean, I mean it. For us to justify the world and allow the world to talk into our life and to pervert who we are by divine definition is an influence that leads to carnality that causes us to be rebellious in thought and action. But that's not who you are. That may have been who you were. That you once walked like a common person. But today, because of the work of Jesus Christ, you are no longer common. Come on, everything about you is supernatural. The way you think is supernatural. The way you talk is supernatural. The way you respond is supernatural. And if it's not, if you see yourself reflecting the image of the activities of a sinner or someone not, born again, living righteously, then you have to understand you are spending entirely too much time in front of a mirror that God doesn't want you seeing a reflection of. Could I get an amen? Now come on, I know it's Mother's Day, but you can grunt. Hallelujah. And so we have to understand that the devil, somebody say the devil, and the world, the world hates you being uncommon, mothers. Why? Because Jesus said, if I had not come, then your sin would remain. But since I've come, your sin is exposed. See, people do not know right and wrong unless they see it in motion. There you go. Hallelujah. So the devil wants us to abort, to walk away, or to accept an image that is not God-ordained. He wants us to live in the kingdom, but be ruled by the devil. You say, oh, that's impossible. Ask Peter. Peter, you get behind me. And he called him, Satan, get behind me. Peter was a man that was a disciple, yet he's following Jesus, seeing miracles, signs, and wonders. And what happens? He gets too involved in following Jesus instead of knowing Jesus. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said this, the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. That little phrase in the Greek means this. You have spent so much time in the world that you have lost your identifying factors. That's why they could not pray. And that would insinuate to you and I that our prayer life is very important. It is not to be secondary to Facebook. It's not to be secondary to uh, breakfast. It's not supposed to be secondary to anything. It is a major stone in the Christian's life. Amen. The devil tried to do the very same thing to Jesus. When he tempted him in Matthew, he said, If you be the Son of God, well, Jesus never fell for it. And I want to encourage all of you mothers here today, you don't fall for 
the challenge to prove your identity to the devil or to the world. Your identity is defined aside from the natural man. It is defined by God, inspired to be revealed to you so that you could plainly see it in James 1, through 25, that if you look and see that image and walk in it, you will walk in the blessed life. So don't believe and don't accept the challenge of the devil of who you are. You are what the Bible defines you as. Could it get an amen? You're right, hallelujah. So Jesus was given a challenge to his identity. His identity had been given to him by God. He was one born of a virgin. How crazy is that? But how many of you believe that? I believe that. I believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. I believe that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and was crucified for my sins and that when he shed his blood that he obtained my redemption. Jesus was taken from the cross, put in a grave, and he was raised the third day. I believe that. Therefore, his resurrection confirms his identity. Now, other people never believed in his identity. They would always say, isn't this Mary's son? Isn't this the carpenter boy? Well, what's he saying? Thing? Why would he say such a thing? Where does he come from? Is he from Nazareth? Well, wasn't he born in Bethlehem? So many questions. And you are going to be challenged in your identity. But I want to tell you something, ladies, that God chose you before the foundations of the earth, and he didn't just choose you to be a Christian. He chose you for a divine purpose. And he chose you to be a caretaker and a keeper of that which belongs to him that he gives to you as a reward of your faithfulness and he enables you to protect it, to nurture it, to hone it, and to set it off on a course of righteousness for God. Psalms 127. So we have to understand that the devil wants to steal our identity. And one of the things that really helps the devil steal our identity is for us to stop living like our true identity. Now please understand that God desires that no man would ever go to hell. He doesn't want that. So what does God do to guarantee the greatest percentage of success of salvation? He gives children to godly equipped parents. Because we are in a spiritual warfare. If you haven't noticed, the battle is raging. If you haven't noticed, the world has lost its mind. If you haven't noticed, they don't have enough sense to go to the bathroom and tell us who they really are. Come on. Listen, the world wants you to conform to its reflection of itself. You are not theirs. You've been bought with a price. Come on, you've been bought with a price. Silver and gold and all the earth could not buy what you have received freely through Christ Jesus. So we are not common. Now, you may be addressed by many different titles or different names. Usually on a given day, I'm entitled by many things that I can't hear 
but I can see the expression on their face that is not good. And they're giving me directions that I'm sure they're not connected to the place that they tell me to go. You may be addressed by many things, but I'm telling you that God calls you an equipped parent that is capable of facing everything and anything that sin in the kingdom of darkness throws at who they are caretakers of. You know, God believes in you before you ever believed in Him. See, God entrusted you with treasures, and He believed that once you heard the gospel, that you would get saved and the treasure of youth or children would be protected by the faith that he would invest in your life. There is no child that is born to a believer that does not have the guarantee that their parents cannot meet every one of their needs. It's just what you will believe and how far you will take it. Jim, your son went to college, right? And uh, when he went there, he didn't want to pay for college. He just, he was like you, wanted freebies. And if you ever wonder where the mints on the seat go, they look at Jim's pockets. Anyway, so he wanted to get a free ride. So they approached him and created a job for him and gave him a free ride. A free ride just made up a job. But they were believing that he's not going to have to pay. They were believing that he's not going to have to have college debt. So they believed that and out of that came a job, a created job. Now, I've met his son, and he has some flaws because he's born a gym. But, really, he's a sharp kid, but I don't know that he's sharper than everybody else that got a ride because of their soccer ability. But he got a full ride being involved in soccer, a job created for him. And I'm telling you that each and every one of you as a parent have enough faith to apprehend the provision of God for your children. I don't know how it's going to happen. Not worried about how it's going to happen. I'm just telling you that God said that he would meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. And that's what we as believers need to believe. And I want to encourage and challenge you mothers that you don't wait for the day before they leave. You start believing God right now. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. Now the devil and the world and your past will try to taint you or to challenge your identity. But I've got some God-given definitions for you today. Now, the first thing I want to bring out is this, that women are not created substandardly to man. The Bible says in Genesis 1.28, it says, let us make man, and let us make him male and female. See, they were then given dominion. They were then given a commission to replenish the earth. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm wise enough and smart enough to know that men don't have babies by themselves. 
So the woman is just as equal or qualified in the reproduction commandment of God as the man is. Could I get an amen? Absolutely. Phyllis is outraged. She is outraged at God's creative order. I heard her the other day. We got a duck that returned. We raised some. We got one. And it's down in a little pack of weeds. And she said, where is the male? I said, he's out there on the pond. She said, I've been watching this duck for like three days. This girl duck has not moved one inch. She has an eight in three days. That scoundrel? I said, Phyllis, this is God's way. So I hear Phyllis in the other room. God, I don't know what you got to do, but I expect you to change this order so that woman's able to get up and go get her something to eat. Now, I don't know how it works either, but I'd much rather be a male duck than a girl duck. They have need one of another. Now, Eve was a world changer as much as Adam was. She had authority in the garden that was equal to Adam's or the devil would never have approached her. She had dominion. She had rights. She had revelations of who God was. And so when the serpent came, he tempted Eve. But what we have to understand is that Adam was in the vicinity. And so we understand that women have never been created subservient to man. And if, if you really want to challenge that, all you have to do is go into your room and try to find your favorite pair of socks. And when you come out discouraged, disappointed, ready to scream and complain, you're going to do what I did yesterday. Lincoln wanted this massager for his back. I went in there, I'm tearing everything apart, and I said, it's not in there, Phyllis. She said, oh, yes, it is. I said, ah, no. She said, what do you want to bet? I said, how, how much money you got? She said, well... How about $100? Now, now, what she's doing is maximizing her chances based on my repeated failures of finding socks in a drawer. So this is not even a game of chance. It's just a game of picking what reward she wants. So she said, how about you give me a back rub, a good back rub. Don't get around my throat. Get, 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 you know, so I said, okay, for a hundred bucks, absolutely. I'm telling you, I know it's not in there. So how many of you know what I'm going to be doing today? Now, how do you miss a thing this big, this big around? How do you miss that on a shelf? <laughs> Women may look weaker, but they are not dumber. They are wise. They have eyes. I saw Nikki look right through the back of her child's head one day. It was like a Superman movie. And he had an attitude on his face. And she said, you don't get that attitude off your face, I'll rearrange it. And I thought, I told Phyllis, man, I don't want to live in this house, honey. Make sure that when I get old, you send me to the recycling center. Don't send me here. Well, women have eyes that can see things 
that only they can see. And God gives them this ability. They have this ability to see things for the protection of their house, their marriage, and their family. We have been given our wives as a gift. Could I get an amen? We've been given a gift and all of the power of the enemy and all of the power of his schemes cannot override what God has equipped you as a mother to do. You have something very unique in you. And if you looked at Matthew, I'll tell you the story because the time Matthew 15, 21 to 28, there came a woman. She was a Seraphonician woman. She was a sinner, had no rights to redemption or anything that the prophets or that was available in any synagogue. Healing. Nobody would help her. But she came to Jesus one day. <clears throat> she said, Lord, my daughter is grievously vexed. Now understand that she had a discerning of spirits, some way to decipher that what was taking place was not God. She had an understanding of the goodness, the richness, and the grace of God, even under the old covenant. And when she came, Jesus said, it's not met for us to give the bread to dogs. Well, she didn't get mad and she didn't get offended. She said, yes, but Lord, the dogs eat the crumbs. And Jesus said, for this saying, now you go. Now everybody around Jesus says, put her away from us. She's not worth the investment. But this woman had something that you as a believing mother has. Perseverance. And let me say this. Don't give up based on the evidence that your faith is producing. You know, somebody has said, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Now, my argument is, no, it was the first one. Because you took the first one away, the last one has never been placed. But anyway, this woman resists all of the accusations, the snide remarks, I'm sure people spit on her, kicked at her, tried to push her away. I don't know what shape she was in. She'd been traveling for days. She comes to get a miracle from God. And everybody's trying to keep her from it. But she's got this perseverance. No. I'm not leaving and I'm not giving up until, Jesus, you give me a word. And Jesus says these words, great is thy faith. In other words, you got buku, you got mega faith. He probably could have said, you got more than these guys got. But this woman then goes home and finds her daughter whole. I want to tell you something. Don't give up. Mothers, don't give up. In 2 Samuel, I believe it's 21, Geboah is complaining to David that Saul has come into their village and killed their people. So David said, yeah, yeah, okay, I want to make peace. What do you want? Well, the Gibeonites say this. 
we want seven sons of Saul. And we want to take them and we are going to hang them from trees. David said, you're going to kill them? They said, yes. For the sorrow and the grief that Saul has caused us. Now we all know that what you put into other people's lives, you're going to get back into your own. If you want a messed up life, just let yourself be out of control. So David says, okay. So David takes seven sons of Saul and he delivers them to the Gibeonites. And so what he does is they hang them. But what he doesn't know is that there is a mother that will not let her sons go to an end of their life being cursed. So this woman, I'm sorry I forget her name, she was one of Saul's concubines. She was the mother of two of those sons. What she does is she takes a cloth and she goes out and finds a rock by her hanging sons and she spreads the garment out. And the Bible says that it was coming up on harvest time. In other words, it might have been the first of April, the middle of April, but towards the end of April, it was a harvest season. So there was a harvest that was coming. So what she did was she was there day and night to keep the birds away through the day and the animals away at night. She slept on that rock. She would not give up. For she knew that she was the only voice that God would hear. Saul's not interested. David has washed his hands of the problem because he's paid the price. But this little woman, much like mothers of God, much like those that cry at night, intercede for their children because they think they've lost their mind. They're involved in killing themselves and destroying their future, and they aren't even old enough to do their own laundry. And you cry and you intercede for these children what I want you to know is this. You can't always predict the day of the harvest, but you can predict the harvest. So mothers, don't give up. I don't care where your children are. I don't care what they're involved in. I'm just telling you that God can transform a human life in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. You may not know how, you may not understand it, but I'm telling you that God gave you a promise. If you'll believe, don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't look at, well, they're doing this, they're doing that. That's all right, let them do whatever they want. One day they're going to turn the corner and the alley is going to get narrower and God's going to have a divine appointment down there. And he's going to speak to them. I remember the night I'd take my grandchildren there and i show them where the Lord spoke to me one night. I was a sinner. I was selling women in Columbus. I'd sell drugs, I'd sell whatever I could sell. But this night I was in a car with a girl. I got outside of the car and I was smoking a cigarette. And here come this voice. And he said, son, 
what are you doing? And I said, leave me alone. I don't want anything to do with you. I got to realize back then I was breaking into churches, destroying the inner sanctuaries. I was stealing Sunday school stuff, throwing it into rivers, destroying it. I was doing all that kind of stuff, all for the fun of it. But that night, the Lord spoke to me. What are you doing here? And I said, leave me alone. I don't want anything to do with you. And God left me alone for years. Now, I don't know when the Lord will speak to your child. But I'm here to tell you that God will not allow the birds to peck away your child's value. And God will not let ravenous dogs and wolves and unclean creatures of the night steal your children part by part. And he has called you and filled you and given you authority over devils, serpents, and scorpions, over all the power of the enemy. And don't be moved. Don't worry about what's going on. You stand up and you continue to declare what God has said. I can imagine what the woman is saying. God, Jehovah, these are the sons of Saul, the king of Israel. They are the blessed of Abraham. They have been redeemed by the Passover lamb. God, remember them. God, give them a good ending, but they're already dead. She doesn't care. She is crying out the promises of Abraham. Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 7, Deuteronomy 8. Through the cold of the night, through the heat of the day, she's not giving up. And I want to encourage you mothers, listen, I'm just telling you, I've seen so many times and so many things turned around that people can't explain, but I'm telling you that God is a God that turns things around and that he has indebted himself to the righteous when he says, I will bless your seed, and he doesn't give a list of what they have to do. All he does is give you a statement, and he tells you, now you just stand and believe. So, I want to encourage you, get up every day. Make decrees over your family, over your household, over your marriage, over your children, your husband. And begin to make a decree. Stand up and prophesy the things that are impossible and cry, grace, grace, and let God do what only God can do. Mothers, you've been selected for a generation that is being prepared. Even as we speak, they're being prepared. Even as we speak, appetites are changing, desires are changing, values are changing, because God is at work in the fields where the seeds of the righteous dwell. Do not give up. You don't know when the harvest is coming, but you know it's just around the bend. Mothers, God put kids, maybe just like me, just a knucklehead, not even knowing what he was created for. Maybe worse than me. 
Might have gave you Lincoln. But what I'm telling you is, there's nothing too difficult and nothing impossible for you and to bring God's purpose to pass in your children's life and nobody can see it any plainer than you. Than you. Hallelujah. 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 God is a good God. Don't worry. Wherever your children are, God is. Knocking on hearts. Bringing back to remembrance that Sunday school voucher. Bringing back to remembrance what a Sunday school teacher said, how they said it. Bringing back to remembrance those little love things that you gave him. The prayers that he heard you praying at night, pleading for his soul, her soul. God is well aware of where they're at, and he's well aware of what they've heard. And God is using everything to bring them to him. Don't cave in. Persevere. Don't doubt. Keep moving. Don't grow weary. God will strengthen you. There is hope for the righteous and there's hope for their seed. Hallelujah. Every head bowed. Father, Is there somebody here that has a growth on your kidney or your liver? A, a growth. It, it, uh, that's all I can say is that it's a growth. If you have one on your kidney or your liver, please raise your hand up. Let me see it. Your kidney or your liver. Okay, uh, come right up here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Melody. Have you ever prophesied? Have you? That gift is about to be imparted to you today. You'll be set, 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, verse 28, on down. You'll be set in the church. Hallelujah. And where do you have that? Um, it's on my adrenal gland. It's on your adrenal gland, which is on top of your kidney. Yeah, just a little booger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hallelujah. You're right. All right. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I curse right now this tumor on this adrenal gland by the authority of the name of Jesus. I command you right now by the power of the covenant of miracles and healing on her behalf, I command you right now, you tumor to come off of that right now in the name of Jesus. Come out right now. Loose her. Oh God, I loose miracles in the name of Jesus. And God, let this adrenal gland work normally, function God in balance. And God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now you go. You haven't checked again and then just come back and give us the good news. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now every head bow. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, God never created you to be common. He would have all men to be saved. In other words, God wants every man to live in God places. He wants you to have an abundant life. The only way that that can ever happen is that we quit ruling our own life 
and put our hands, our life into the hands of Jesus. Jesus bought you, telling you there's no question that he wants you saved. Jesus died for you, taking away all questions, what he desires for you to do, to be raised up and seated with him. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need to give my life to Jesus. Maybe you've been a Christian. Maybe you've drifted. Maybe you haven't been a Christian. But whichever one it is, I'm going to ask you right now just to slip up your hand and just say, Pastor, that's me. Please pray for me. Come on, if that's you, raise your hand up. Today is the day that the Lord hath made. And is he calling us? calling us to himself. All righty, praise God. Can you stand to your feet? Are you going to sing my song? Good, please God. Hallelujah, praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, as you go, have a great day. We're going to celebrate me being Phyllis's husband today. And uh, I'm kidding you. I'm going to buy her all of the mushrooms she can eat. Of course, she's allergic to them, but I'm a... No. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God for mothers. Mothers of God. Equipped of God. Called of God steadfast and unmovable in God. God, I thank you for every mother here. I thank you, God, that you believe in them. I thank you, God, your hand is upon them. Now, God, today, bless their day. Let people, God, as it were, bend over backwards to be kind to the mothers that have brought children into the world. God, let them be stirred to victory. And God, we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you. See you Wednesday evening.